Uh, all right. Well, uh, let's start officially start the show. It's Chapo Thursday, July 21st. And boys, I'll tell you, if, if there's one thing, if there's a one food item that I know for certain will not make me sick. That's right. I'm talking about the pink sauce. Yes, sir. It's good for you. <laughs> Vitamins and minerals, you guys, all you guys that like shit. Pink so- Man, hey, hey, any listeners out there, does anyone have a hookup to where I can get some pink sauce? Please, please hit the line. Please hit the Chapo email. I'm trying to get my hands on the wonderful, wonderful new dipping. It, it's a sauce for dipping, and you can only buy it on TikTok. And man, oh, man, does this stuff look good. Uh, you know what? They're, they're, it's, it's true what they say. Uh <laughs> Condiments that you buy off over TikTok from a person who makes them in their house and ships them to you without refrigeration hit different. <laughs> yeah, and when every when every bottle is a different hue and color and consistency, <laughs> well, so, I mean, so- tells you that a bunch of love is going into each batch. And, and when the uh, when the uh, nutritional information is in wingdings, that's always a good sign. <laughs> yeah, no. Just, okay, man, okay, okay. Me. For, for, for uh, I, okay, I've been Matt. You, you shared you shared the pink sauce revelation with us. Uh, Matt's been on the pink sauce train for some time now. He's dipping everything in it. You know, he's he's dipping, oh, he's yeah. dipping, t- dipping tenders in it. He's dipping crudités. He's uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, just... Steak au poivre. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting I'm putting bananas in there. It's 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 a dipping. It, look, if you've got a dip, get some pink. And I've not, I've not tried the pink sauce yet. You know, uh, Matt, you got you got the rare limited edition hot pink pink sauce. Yep. I see a lot Ooh. of people they have a, they have sort of a lighter uh, pink sauce. But yeah, it's the sauce made in the bathtub and sold on TikTok, and it's ab- it absolutely will not give you food poisoning. But I will give you food poisoning, but it will give you joy as you dunk um, any. Just, it will instantly make better any fast food item if you dunk it in the pink. Not just fast food. I I went to Nobu and I just squirted one of those bad boys all over the chef's choice. And Robert De Niro himself came up to my table and shook my hand. <laughs> and he said, hey, where can I get some of this pink? Yeah. And I was like, here, you order it from this woman who's apologizing for the pink sauce. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, the pink sauce. Uh, I've been thinking about the pink sauce for probably twenty four hours straight. Since I, I can't stop thinking I, about I it. It's, so it's, there's good. something about there's something about the vid- like the reaction videos of people just <laughs> dousing like a chicken drumstick in pink. It's it costs twenty dollars. That's that's reasonably priced. Like the idea, like the United States of America, the one co- the country where wherever else you want to say about it, all of its manifest and manifold failings. At least the one thing it has going for it is that any kind of snack or condiment or flavor is available at your fingertips from reputable merchants. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, no, I'm going to I'm going to get some fucking shit off of the Internet for twenty dollars. Like I'm fucking like smuggling it across state lines and then so I can shit my guts out. Do not tell me that this society is not governed entirely by a death drive that's the only way to make sense of this to see the pink slime uh the ooze the shit from ghostbusters 2 on tiktok and be like i need that in my home i need that in my mouth okay so like yeah uh, apparently it's it's basically a ranch dressing and dragon fruit which wonderful who delicious. Delicious. the two delicious. tastes two great tastes <laughs> taste great together yeah. it's, like, it's, like, it's like chocolate Dra- and peanut butter 
a dragon, dragon fruit, fruit and mayonnaise and dragon ranch. Fruit ranch. Who hasn't seen one of those and wished the other was there with it? That is like something they would eat in Demolition Man. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah, and I mean, like, uh, just 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 the uh, the the researchers out there who are, you know, finding. I mean, look, everyone's a critic these days. Everyone has to find flaws in something, and just because, just because the pink sauce comes to you, basically, just sort of like in a plastic bag. Not wrapped sauce <laughs> leaking out of the packaging and or, already July. spoiled, already spoiled in, in July, <laughs> not sealed properly. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> on? And people, I've heard people say, like, you know, people have been scamming each other on, on, on stuff it's forever. It's like, yes, but most of the time they're offering you some like special thing like the, the value add is like oh uh, the medical uh, establishment doesn't want you to know about this thing that'll cure cancer or you know keep you healthy or something this is just something you're supposed to dip chicken wings in you could dip anything in it there are 75 things that i could buy to dip chicken wings in in a three block radius of my house right now <laughs> none of them made by a person in a bathtub but are, are any of them have an interesting color though because I mean, most dipping sauces—they're they're yeah, white, the least they're yellow, color on <laughs> they're brown. They're sort of like a dark your red. reptile brain knows what what colors are associated with like edible food, and pink is not on that list. Okay, smart guy. Your brain, your like deepest nervous system is telling you not to eat this. But what about ice soul cream? Just microwaved our brains, and we're like, no, I need the I need the pink sauce because I'm looking in my pantry, and oh, what do I not have? I don't have anything pink. Well, wouldn't you say then that it symbolizes man's victory over nature? It's true. We're dabbing all over those uh, losers in the natural world. Yeah. I, um, I've i seen some very good defenses of the pink sauce brand and the lady. Um, the best one I saw, it was one of those people where it's like you read their bio 78 times and you still can't figure out what it is they do. It's one of those things. It's one of they're one of those things that has like four X's in the title, where it's like Harvard X Yale X Ted X Yum Brands X Shengzhou uh, Steel <laughs> Company X uh, Thirty Under Thirty, uh, and she was like, um, well, she she tried to make it a racial thing. She was like, wow, so she has done considerably less damage to the black community than McDonald's. But yeah, let's go after her, which is an awesome argument. <laughs> That's a fucking amazing argument. But then she was like, hey, look, I think she has an amazing idea. I think her idea is so fucking good. All she needs is a chemist, a compliance officer, someone who knows what FDA standards are, <laughs> like listing all the shit that anyone should have, <laughs> anyone selling like a mass produced food product should have, and then she'll be fine. Guys, I, I mean, look, I've been kicking myself that we never got the PPP loans. And now, I mean, like our sauce merchandising is in shambles here. We're, we're I mean, like we're Internet personalities. People would buy sauce from us. So how about this? How about like a like a sort of a, a, a sort of neon green dipping sauce? Call it, we call it Ooh. Gak Goop. I mean, I'm sure Nickelodeon's Ooh. lawyers would be all over us. But, you know, like uh, if we put an umlaut over the A or something, I mean, actually, you know what? We don't even need to consult a lawyer on this. I'm pretty sure we can just call it GAC and sell it as a dipping sauce. What do you say? Uh, that's an idea. You know, I actually uh, I, I stumbled over this uh, 
big hole in the ground recently, and there's this fluffy uh, white stuff just kind of bo- bubbling out of it. Uh, it. It looks pretty pretty appetizing. I think we should slap that into boxes. Uh, maybe call it I don't know the stuff. the thing that's unrealistic about that movie if anyone has seen the stuff is at the end when michael moriarty reveals hey this alien's goo is is hollowing out people's insides everyone stops eating it that would not happen as we know now it's made in the 80s they would just turn it pink and then people would go crazy for it okay here's another great branding opportunity for us we start selling our own ketchup and call it heinz 57 Ooh. No, it's Heinz fifty eight. It's the fifty eighth variety that they that they won't let you have. The cucks at Heinz will not release this fifty eighth variety. Okay, we've released the secret fifty eighth variety of Heinz tomato ketchup with no seed oils in it. Zero seed oils. It's made it's made with ghee, coconut and coconut oil, and just a little bit of dragon fruit for flavor. Mm. Just a little bit of dragon fruit for flavor and color. Okay, spirituality is a huge thing. Younger people, Zoomers, are more religious than millennials. God, religion, uh, spirituality, it's coming back. Um, How about we combine, you know, because pink sauce, it came from a great base, ranch. You could do anything to ranch, and it's going to make it even better. We take ranch, and we add water from the Ganges River. (laughs) (laughs) That's just sacred. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's what I think. Well, speaking of uh, dietary fads. Oh, and we we, we send it. Sorry, we send it through envelopes. Yes. (laughs) Nice big uh, manila envelope. You have to sort of wring out the envelope to get that Ganges out of it. Yeah. Just just sort of squeeze that styrofoam. Get some Ganges up in your gut. Yeah. And it's going to be like, oh, oh, are you having a hard time getting the sauce? Well, you think it was easy for Vishnu and the Theravedas? No, probably not. Uh, I was going to say, um, uh, speaking of uh, weird dietary fads and uh, the shit people are doing with food nowadays, I sure, I'm sure you guys saw the, uh, the, the Twitter post from that guy who has cards to hand out to restaurants informing them about his seed oil sense or like how, the, how no meal <laughs> oh he can God. eat is pre- should be prepared with Congratulations. canola. You have or- turned into the exact thing that you, uh, are, you have become what you have beheld. Well done. Yeah. You are now the the uh, allergetic bug person causing a scene in a restaurant uh, out of uh, neur- neurotic n- narcissism. Congratulations. You've done it. If you're going to go anti-seed oils, guess what? That means you got to fucking cook all your own food. Sorry. That's the deal. If you're going to do that and, and be based, then that means not going to restaurants at all. Let's not go that far. No, I'm like I, I don't know. Wait, hold on. A second. I, 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 let me let me just follow your logic here, Matt. Are you telling me that if you were a chef at a restaurant and um, a customer, you know, someone someone whose money that you're trying to take, just simply hands you a card that's that just says which of these dozen common cooking oils can't be used in the preparation of their meal, that that you wouldn't respect that? It's a customer, Matt. I mean, do you not understand that that's restaurants are, are in the business of making money? You're right. I'm going to go out with a bow and arrow and fucking hunt down a duck so I can squeeze it for grease to cook your fucking uh, hoagie in. No, thank you. I So a lot of people compared this to like um, millennials and gluten allergies and like Orange County moms with their eating disorders, which I think there's definitely some parody there. But to me, this more struck me as like Tumblr 2014. 
people's weird self-diagnoses who these people would also go around and like hand out cards that are like oh i have um I have a, a, a Tumblr diagnosed disorder where if I see fluorescent lights, I have a panic attack and I need to be hospitalized. Oh, I need to – I'm seeing a movie at your theater and I need a ball pit or I could choke <laughs> on my own tongue. <laughs> and I, I, th- I honestly think like there's more – they have more in common with their uh, Tumblr predecessors. Every, every American is the same. You know, ultimately, at the, end of the, at the end of the day, every middle class yeah. American. Oh, everyone's everything is the same. Everyone is the same. That is the that. Well, yeah. I mean, everybody who you're going to likely encounter in the the uh, the discourse cerebrosphere that we mistake for society is the same person. The fact that they're in there means they're the same person, and that is really the skeleton key to avoid going down any of these stupid fucking rabbit holes and having to argue any of these stupid fucking points because you are just seeing Spider Man pointing at each other. In every direction. It's just Spider-Man. Yeah. No, that, that's that's really it. It's Spider-Man all the way down. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, if you have a... I mean, if you think seed oils are, like, poison or whatever, I mean, like, thing is, like, everybody needs just a little bit of poison. And, you know, like, I'm sure, I'm sure, a, lot, I'm sure mm. a lot of cooking oils are bad for you. Like, vegetable oil is very bad for you. I'm sure canola oil is, too. But the thing is, like, yeah, like if, if you're if you're health conscious or want to control, you know, uh, your diet, then, yeah, obviously preparing all your own meals is the way to go. But like, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. And like, but like, the, the, I just feel like you, you shouldn't rob yourself of the pleasure of just eating at a restaurant, and not really worrying about what's in the food, you know, just enjoying a meal. Just know it's bad for you, but just have like, you know, just treat yourself to a little bit of poison. I truly believe in all aspects of life, exposing yourself to just a little bit of poison is like builds up immunity so you're so you're not um uh, you won't get you'll get sickened by like many of the other toxic things that surround you so yeah so you're saying that like the, the, uh willingly imbibing toxic things that are known to be so will uh, protect you against just the constant stream of dna melting shit that you have no control over which is actually what people are hysterical about but which since they don't have control over it, they don't want to dwell on it. So they rather create a fantasy a world where if I just avoid the seed oils, I, I will keep my T levels up. I will keep my HP. Yeah, it's I, I don't really like know the seed oil shit. Like, I don't know what's supposed to be like bad about them or whatever. I haven't really been following it. It just this one isn't as fun to me as other things they've done. So I've chosen not to get into it. But. <laughs> Even if it, even if it is like bad for you, which like probably I guess it it seems to me that this is like the equivalent of like carrying around a pocket constitution during the Bush administration. Mm, yes, to like roll back the Patriot Act. Yes, I mean like I I just think like look I think it's uh if if people I mean like look most of what we eat breathe and drink in this country is poisonous in one way or another to some small degree or it's like a lot of a lot of things are bad for you and there there are other things that are good for you that are like less fun to to do or eat or fucking spend your time uh, thinking about but the thing is I just think it's like it, it's the it's the need for total control especially as it relates to eating that I think does cause cancer and drive people to lose their fucking minds. Cause it's just like, look, just have some junk food, have some pink sauce every now and again, you know, it it looks good. (laughs) Eat it. Or get a a pallet of pink sauce. (laughs) Intravenously administer it to yourself. (laughs) Just get a pink, get a pink drip going, you know, it's just like like uh, treat yourself every now and occasion. Like just just stop worrying about what's killing you or what's not killing you because like it it it, it all is. It's all killing you. Yeah, you're dying. Just, Congratulations, yeah, you're, dying. you're yeah. a human being. Yeah. Ah, 
This is not there's not this is not a permanent situation for anybody. Yeah. Does um okay. Does ranch have seed oil in it? Almost certainly. So no dragon fruit is in the seed oil. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess just yeah. the ubiquity of these things. I mean, it's it's hard to get away from, like I said, unless you prepare every meal yourself, which, like, that's a lot of work. I mean, I think I think it's a good standard to aim for because I, I, I genuinely think, regardless, like, any meal that you prepare for yourself in your own home with, like, real ingredients is going to be better for you than something you order or get at a restaurant, like, just in terms of nutrition and possibly poisonous chemicals inside of it. But the thing is, who wants to live like that all the time? Go to a restaurant, just have have like, have a dozen oysters and just dollop a little pink on top of all of them. Like yes. A little horseradish and a little pink, little pinky sauce. But here's the thing. Part of going to the restaurant and having fun for people is that's, ordering that's people true. around and yes. sending, giving them your stupid little card and telling them, oh, yeah, actually, you're going to need to use uh, liquefied butter on this and not the canola oil you use literally for everything. You get to you get to feel like you're in charge. The real goal of going out to eat. They want to be validated by strangers. Yeah, I, mean, I guess that's just I, I guess it's just sort of like the baseline of what people really want from a, a, a dining out experience, you know, because like I don't want to worry about anything. Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't mean I don't I don't want to worry about anything. I don't, I don't like I don't want to I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, haggle and fucking, uh, you know, just like demand things of my waiter. I want to I want to ask for, you know, what's on the menu and, and hopefully it'll be good. But it's just sort of like the, I like the, the the not worrying about anything, not working, just enjoying a good meal. By the way, ranch, uh, if you make it at home, no, no seed oil. But if you buy it in the store, guess what? Seed oil. Guess what's going to be in there? Yeah. Dragon fruit actually contains enzymes that break down seed oil. So if you just squirt <laughs> your pink sauce all over your meal, you're going to be more than okay. I guess that's the, that's the real litmus test for what type of person you are. Because, like, yeah, no, we're all, like, middle-class oafs and uh, foppish dandies, no matter what what costume we put on ourselves. But when you go to the restaurant, is the thing that you don't have to worry about anything, everything's taken care of, and you can just hang out with your friends and enjoy yourself? Or is it that this is an opportunity for you to boss people around and have mm -hmm. temporary servants? If, it, if you are the latter... The uh, the <laughs> special seed oil disability card is the new frontier in that. It is true, though, that like it, like in America for middle class Americans, like spending any amount of money is power that you have over other people. And I think a lot of people really yeah. enjoy that, especially yeah. if they feel powerless in other aspects of their life. Like I'll never forget when I worked a customer service job and had to take like customer service phone calls from people that were mad that the um, Chinese made trinket that they bought on the internet um, arrived not to their satisfaction. And, you know, no matter what you spend, any amount of money that you like that you purchase something from, like from any person, that's like that's X amount of power that you have over their time. And like it's authority because like, you know, like you are the you are the buyer. And if you are not catered to or your needs are not met, well, then like then you're on the hook for that amount of money that they spent on you. Yeah. Huh, look, I'm just saying, whether it's seed oils or not, just try to be conscious about the foods that you purchase through TikTok fads. Absolutely. Some some of them may not. Some of them may be perishable. You know, I, I don't know how shelf stable. I don't know how shelf stable the the shellfish that I bought from an influencer. Oh, 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 oh my that's God! That's another yeah. one. Yes, Have you heard of yes. the spicy bowl? Yeah. Wait, wait. What's this? Oh Is it another God. TikTok fad? The spicy bowl. So some other person is selling homemade crawfish bowls 
<laughs> and mailing them to people. Okay, is this Jacques? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know I'm going to get that for you. No, uh, it's some it's some lady on TikTok, I think, again. And uh, it is some sort of bowl that they make, make in their home <laughs> with crawfish <laughs> and then mail it to people's house. And then there's people on TikTok showing is it, it once it gets to their house where it's like a fucking brick with tentacles. <laughs> is it, wait, is it frozen? No, I, so I think just, once so again, it is not actually in any way is preserved. They just send <laughs> they it to your house. make a meal and then just mail it to you. Yes, with with shellfish. <laughs> I don't get it. What do you mean? What do you mean? A, what do you mean a brick? If they're not freezing it, what are they doing? It's like it, it's just like congeals. Mm. So it's like a, a, a nice like gumbo jello block. I mean, I'd have to buy one to really find out. I just I only saw briefly like in the background of someone's video talking about how they, you know, were fucking shooting out of both ends after they got it. Man, I feel I always feel bad for Malman, especially in summer. But now it's like they're oh going to get hit with fucking <laughs> chest bursters. Uh, <laughs> usually dogs. They're going to have like pink. Yeah. Pink little aliens bursting out of their throats. <laughs> I was gonna say usually dogs chase mailmen, but like now that they're they're trafficking like fucking uh, I don't know a sturgeon or or fish and shit in the summer, <laughs> they're gonna have thirty cats following them around the fucking neighborhood. This is great though. We've we, we've got polio coming back. Oh, that's right. We got the monkeypox. Mm. We're gonna get like maybe some sort of like extinct uh, diarrhea that has never that has not you know existed on the North American continent for a thousand years. Uh, oh, I can't typhoid, wait to get. Maybe. You know, I'm going to be uh, one of the first to cholera. get that. I'm going to I'm going to start selling bush meat through uh, through TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I love, anyone, dude. Anyone like have some you ever seen that's something you cannot get at Seven <laughs> yeah. Eleven at least? Would anyone like some have gorilla seen... jerky? <laughs> I, I, I could see, it I could see the seed oil guy. I could see the seed oil guys like getting into the bush meat. Thing. Oh, absolutely! Oh, yeah. Being like, this is based. None of the guys eat bush meat or soy. <laughs> <laughs> we're having we're having monkey brain and black pepper stew. <laughs> this is lit. Have you um have you ever seen the guys I don't think they advertise bushmeat on TikTok because I think it would be too upsetting for people because it's like they're usually killing like some pretty beloved animals. I don't yeah. want to moralize the bushmeat guys because it's like they're in a pretty fucking shitty situation. Mm-hmm. But like um on Twitter, people advertise it, which I think is interesting because it's like there are some people who eat bush meat because of like economic circumstances and desperation. But then some of the people I see advertising bush meat and like responding to it on Twitter, it's like, well, they like have money. They seem to be like middle class in <laughs> these countries where it's it's being advertised on Twitter. They just like I guess it's just like a novelty to them, which is pretty funny to me. <laughs> Look, uh, eating an animal that has rudimentary language skills hits different. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you know what? You know what? No, it really hits different? Dip it in some pink sauce. <laughs> <laughs> <If you> just, <laughs> imagine just dipping a monkey's paw in pink sauce and just sucking it off the fingers. <laughs> just licking it oh, off the man. fingers. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I suppose we should talk uh, the midterm elections. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, speaking of violently shitting out of both ends. <laughs> uh, speaking of things that are probably going to kill you. Um, all right. Uh, okay. So I guess I guess uh, let's start with, I think, like, uh, of the Senate races, I think the marquee matchup is Dr. Oz and John Fetterman. 
You know, they, it's they, certainly if you're a fan of posting, yeah, uh, it's certainly the best one because you got a classic post off here. Yeah, I was honestly rooting for Dr. Oz until I found out he voted for CHP in the last Turkish election. Now I don't give a <laughs> shit. Fuck you. How do you not fuck with the Erdogan vision? I mean, what the hell? He's such a cuck. He can't do anything right. It is amazing. That's the problem with it. Like, he can't do anything right. Total oaf. Uh, I mean, like, I, I think the thing that's, uh, that, are, that are, like, the best about the uh, the Dr. Oz-John Fetterman uh, posting war uh, this is a point that I what's his name? Uh, uh, Liker, uh, Richie Deals, Hell Dude. Uh, the point that he made about Dr. Oz's uh, posts about Fetterman is that they all seem to presume that John Fetterman is already in the Senate. And like, like yeah. all his posts are from like a, a future in which John Fetterman has already won the Senate election. And they're like, oh, look, like, you know, uh, reporting from the future, John Fetterman is getting lunch with Bernie Sanders. And it's like, I don't think in a political campaign, like your advertising should be assuming that your opponent wins <laughs> or has already won. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very loser mindset. And also the like, only time that ever worked was Daisy. <laughs> yeah. With the, the Goldwater Daisy ad. And also like mon- mon- maniacally fixating on Bernie. It's like, that's not the that Senate Democrat that you want to like hang on people. People generally like him. You know, there's an affection for him. If only it's because they feel like he's like this powerless, well-meaning oaf. You know, but like you know Schumer, somebody like that. Uh, but no, Bernie, very weird, odd instincts. Yeah, and then there was the whole thing with the uh, uh, the Snooky ad that um, uh, uh, Fetterman. Uh, he got Snooky. He was to, a cameo. Yeah, yeah. Do, a, do a cameo, uh, making fun of Dr. Oz for being from New Jersey. You know, one of South Jersey's and Philadelphia's, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's the South Jersey Philly borderlands. You know, it's, it's, the, it's, it's where the, it's where, it's where the, 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 the most feral Americans lurk on the borderlands between New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Uh, but yeah. Water ice country. Yeah. Well, I, you know, this is a pretty one, pretty easy one to call. Now, I mean, what have we said? Philadelphia is the Reddit city, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just like how they they said New Orleans will be a chocolate city. They made the same speech in Philadelphia in 2009 when Reddit was founded. They're like, this will be a Reddit city, and John Fetterman is more he's more of a Reddit guy than Doctor Oz. That is, yeah, it's true. He, yeah, sure. he's, he's brought. Twitter to a Reddit fight. He, he can't handle it. Yeah. But uh, I just got here from uh, Dr. Oz gets defensive about Fetterman using Snooky to point out his New Jersey ties. During a radio appearance last week, Oz acknowledged his opponent's clever little videos by touting his celebrity status and referring to Snooky as an acquaintance who was unwittingly taken advantage of by the Fetterman campaign. She's been on my show. I know all these celebrities. I could I could actually have celebrities do my campaign for me, Oz told Philadelphia talk radio host Dom Giordano. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Oz is acting like a guy who's running against Chris Rock in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you got, Blake? I mean, what, what, what do you think of the chances of, like, who do, who do you got in the Fetterman-Oz race for Senate? Because, I mean, like, right now it looks like it may be the only one Democrats are going to pick up. I'm not sure about that. I mean, I do think I honestly, yeah, do think pretty safely. I have Oz by at least four, or uh, Fetterman by at least four. Um, I just, yeah, uh, Oz has none of the MAGA upside. Uh, the base doesn't really like him. There are going to be there are Republican votes that you're just always going to get if you have an R. 
but he doesn't have any value adds. And yeah, it's hard to see any reason that Trump endorsed him besides him being a celebrity. That was the thought. He was like, oh, the the suburban moms in uh, Bucks County are going to love him because they watched him on Oprah. But, you know, that I honestly feel like Roe has sort of neutralized that for him. So he doesn't have the, uh, yeah, the mobilizing force. Uh, he's just a goof. He's just a goof. He's a goofy guy. He's 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 a, a, like kind of seems kind of confused. Doesn't know where he is. I don't know. Yeah, I say he's uh, he's probably going to lose, but who knows? Uh, I mean, well, it, it's I, a very interesting state in both cases because you've got this you know this race here, but then you've also got the governor's race. Where oh yeah, the Republican candidate yeah. Doug Mastriano is like a full on like. Uh, QAnon psychopath uh, who has been helped all the way along by the Democrats because they uh, learned from 2016 when they were actively pumping up Trump as as Hillary's a component that that strategy can never fail. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, Ma- Mastriano is astonished because, like, yeah, like uh, he was just, um, uh, Democrats boosted MAGA long shot in PA governor's race. Now he's got a real shot at winning. This does seem to Oops. be a, this does seem to be a pattern mm. though, and it's not just him. Uh, they they did it in uh, Maryland too, where they um like the the Larry, the guy that just knocked off Larry Hogan is another stop the steal MAGA guy. I mean there are like at least a dozen of these fucking races all over the country where like the DNC is like act- they've pumped um, tens of millions of dollars into dollars. this into the coffers of like the most extreme Republican candidate and like against like, the, I guess like the, the moderate Republican or whatever. And I just like, um, maybe it'll work in some cases, but like, and the world we live in now, like how, I mean, like this is what they're banking on. I mean, this is why they went all in on the January 6th thing. Right. Like, I mean, like, but that's the opposite though. How can you say yeah, January okay. 6th is a serious thing and there's this attempted coup on the government if you're also literally giving money to those people no. to run for office? Well, Matt, yeah, Matt. no, and, and, and I don't like – I I think it's it will backfire. If you assume their main goal here is to win elections, I think they will have at best very mixed results uh, probably – Some of these guys failure. are getting in 100%. But, right, yeah. Um, but – if you see their goal as raising money, well, you know, already succeeded. That's true. But Matt, I mean, raising I, money that they then get to give. Like, <laughs> it's so it's a virtu- virtuous cycle. They, they scare people with the dudes and then they raise the money and then they give the money to the dudes. Yeah. No, it is a Stratton Oakmont of political parties. <laughs> but uh, Matt, to your point about how like, yes, like, I mean, to you and I it may seem contradictory to. Uh, be banging the drum about how Trump and all his supporters are like, you know, inciting a fascist coup on democracy and then giving tens of millions of dollars to like actual January 6th rioters in their primary campaigns against Republicans. But I think that they're there. They're, I think what they would say if they had to explain this strategy <laughs> under oath or something <laughs> is uh, that like, yeah, like by by promoting someone like Doug Mastriano, then like then they will make voters see in the same way that they are making voters see through their January 6 committees uh they will make voters see the 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 peril of democracy being threatened by us actively threatening it by funding the people that were you know i i just think they they want to they want to juice this idea that like oh like this is like this is what the extreme of the the oh, the ultra maga looks like and by empowering them and giving them money and helping them win primaries 
Uh, they just they just know that when the look when the voting public when they watch every minute of the January 6 hearings and then when they start seeing Doug Mastriano on the campaign trail, yeah, I think the choice is going to be pretty clear for them. I I I think they're they're coming right back to Joe Biden and the things they just want things to be normal. And they're going to be normal the again, best. provided none of these candidates actually win their elections, which we all know. Uh, we, look, we all know that that can't happen. Like that, that's, no, that, that's not going to happen. I mean, come on. This is like uh, I don't know. I, I I would say it's like Gladio. If the point of Gladio was for NATO to send letterheads, and like they, if NATO raised money through direct mailing. And not government outlays and was like, um, can you believe they kidnapped the prime minister? <laughs> Give me $15 to put a stop to this. I mean, but at a certain point, like you, you, you just watch it agog like, oh, my God, they're doing this again. They don't learn anything. There is no other option. Like they do not have another thing they can do because they have uh, they cannot uh, promise to do anything because that would involve. A base mobilization in a way that is threatening to their uh, their entire structure of their party. So the only offer they can make to uh, the people is that they are better, that they are will hold on to uh, norms in a way that the Democrat the Republicans won't. And the only way to to really max out, like to do anything with money that you're raising and actually try to max out that advantage, is by actually running against the worst versions of these guys. So there's there's nothing else. They'll keep pressing that button until they have literally fundraised for the guy who puts them all in a camp. I mean, like, and, and Doug Mastriano is like, that's not far off from what would happen if he won no. the PA governor's race. I mean, like, he has already made clear, like, I mean, he he is a stop the steal, you know, uh, like tr- true diehard MAGA guy. And then if he becomes governor of a very big populous swing state like Pennsylvania, he has like already made clear that he will just decide who wins that state and who 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 gets yeah. to send who to the electoral college. Like, I mean, like that that will happen. Uh, he has also hired a neo-Nazi from Gab to like run communications for his campaign. And I don't know if we ever talked about this. Did you? Uh, did we talk about the uh, the um, the the paper that he wrote for the Pentagon or when he was in the Air Force? Oh yeah, it's basically like uh, Ben Shapiro's or like the Kurt Schlichter book. He wrote that, but it's like an official like policy paper for the U.S. military. I'm just going to read here. It said, the thesis written in 2001 when Mastriano was a major at the Air Force Air Command and Staff College is highly unusual for its doomsaying and often fearful point of view. And its prediction that the only, only the U.S. military could save the country from the depredations of the country's morally debauched civilian leaders. The paper is posted on an official Defense Department website and lists Mastriano as the author at the time when he said he received a master's degree from the school. In it, Mastriano adopts the point of view of a colonel who was living in 2018, some 17 years in the future, and has taken refuge in an isolated cavern in the George Washington National Forest. The military's collapse, in his telling, allowed a left-wing leader obsessed with political correctness and backed militarily by the United Nations and European Union to rise to power in a struggle that led to the deaths of millions of Americans. Domestically, life was bleak with a rampant drug culture, hedonism, and a plethora of alternate religions dominating the American youth, wrote Mastriano. Mastriano in the voice of the fictional colonel, we are a people without vision or direction. So, yeah, that's probably who's going to win the governor of uh, Pennsylvania. I mean, probably maybe not this time, but we'll see. You know, uh, he gets his name out there. I, I, I think he's a young up and comer with some real interesting ideas. You got to keep an eye on it. Yeah, I will say this. 
the Democrats calculus, how much money, how much fun do you think they had running against Glenn Youngkin? <laughs> I think the moment that happened, they were like, well, shit, like, what do we want to do here? Yeah, that's true. They they got totally owned by Blumkin because he didn't read as a mega psycho. So now they have to get, make sure they run against mega psychos to do this thing. They the only play in the book they've got left. Yeah, like yeah. like Glenn Blumkin, like he uh he believes all the same things Doug Zamastriano does, but he didn't hire an actual neo Nazi to run his campaign. So yeah, and, and he dresses nicely. He always you know dr- right. He's uh, he's always pretty fit. I guess the other, uh, like, a, a big factor we're seeing in a lot of the primaries right now in terms of the other groups spending millions of dollars um, to, you know, knock off uh, incumbents is uh, APAC. APAC has spent an unprecedented amount of money. I mean, the, the most recent one is uh, uh, Donna Edwards in uh, Maryland, a uh, Democrat, uh, lost her seat in a primary after APAC put in, you know, it's just a shitload of money. Uh, to like you know to because she was anti-Israel, and I think the funny thing that's going on here is that like Donna Edwards and these politicians that they're targeting are not anti-Israel in like any sense that you or I would recognize. Like they they deviate from the APAC line on maybe like one or two very like minor insignificant details, but like that's not enough for these people. And like all the ads that they're running have nothing to do with Israel. It's just straight up attacking them on like you know that they voted for like a minimum wage increase or something like that. Like, so what do you think is going on there? Like, why, why do you think APAC is spending like tens of millions of dollars to scalp all of these like, you know, otherwise moderate Democrats that are like in no way, shape or form a threat to the, the Israel policy in this country whatsoever? Um, a few reasons, I think. Uh, one is kind of revenge of the Sith. Um, I think they kind of caught a bit of a scare from 2017 to 2019. And they want to uh, just make sure the fortress is hardy again. Um, they, they took it on the chin, uh, more in the last, uh, four years or last five years than they had in decades before that. Um, but I don't know, like if you look at some of the Democrats that they, uh, that they kneecapped and got rid of, they, again, yeah, were not anti-Israel by any conceivable means, but they were vulnerable, vulnerable Democrats who, you know, nevertheless had, voted on one or two things that uh, the Israel lobby was against. And they just wanted to make sure to let people know that, you know, fun time's over. Uh, If you're in a, if you're not in a totally safe district, we can fuck you up. Um, The other thing I think too, is that like, you know, liberal Zionism is completely dead and any liberal posture of pro-Israel politics is dead. So APAC is just going to be like, I mean, it's always been a highly reactionary, highly right wing uh, lobbying group and presence in American politics, but it's going to be more actively right wing in other ways, too, I think. Yeah. And it's also yeah, I think it's also to scare to scare other Democrats, which is working. I mean, Fetterman has completely fucking backed off any Israel thing like before before the race even began. Like when he was mayor of Braddock, basically, he was like, oh, by the way, uh, uh, everything they do is great. We should free Pollard. (laughs) He didn't literally say we should free Pollard, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it is like, yeah, like, I mean, like previously they would, they, you know, like it's, it's obvious what the APAC line is and it would be obvious like if they were looking to, to, to take someone out, it'd be pretty clear why they were doing that. But I think now, like, they are just – they're one of the most powerful lobbying groups in D.C., and I think basically they're functioning like the Chamber of Commerce. 
like I think they're they're, they're attacking like any any even slightly progressive Democrat in office, because like even if they are toe the line on Israel 100 percent, as literally all of them do or virtually all of them do, I think I think I think what to your point, Felix, I I think what they're thinking about, though, is I think they see like the writing on the wall as it relates to any kind of progressive politics in America, because like, as you're right, yeah, if liberal Zionism is totally dead, but in America, even moderate Democrats have to toe the line or at least appear friendly to ideas like Black Lives Matter or uh, concern for uh, marginalized groups or whatever. And I think if you allow that to occur, then it's just like it's a hop, skip and a jump to just like talking about Palestinians because it's a very hard, you know, it's a hard line to do if you're like 100 percent dedicated to like, you know, uh, stopping uh, police violence against you know uh, poor minority communities in this country, and then looking at the West Bank and being like, oh well, everything that's going over there is fine, and we support it. So I just think it's like any any progressive wiggle room at all. I think like you know creates for them potential future problems. Yeah, have you noticed that you've been seeing a lot less like woke pro Israel stuff? Uh, they definitely cut the funding on that. The only the only guy I see like that now. And by the way, like a lot of the woke pro-Israel figures, they've sort of tilted to being like anti-SJW people. Like they, they were like, oh, I see what time it is ever since Brandon got in there. But uh, the only guy I see like that who's still going for the you know woke Zionist thing is actually a guy who is not even Jewish. It is Richie Torres. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the only guy. I mean, he like he he's perfect for them. Yeah. And, you know. You, we were we were wondering we were talking about wow like how are they doing this insane thing where they are propping up the most psychotic Republicans available and then you see oh the APAC is essentially making it so that the possibility for any uh, even mildly left of center policy uh, proposal is dead in the water before it even begins once again like in that context you can only highlight. The things you won't do. It's like, yes, we will let you, uh, let you fucking die, you know, as things continue to get worse. But we will not like actively, you know, suspend democracy. We won't. We, we won't. We won't round you up based on your gender. Yeah. Uh, back to uh, to Fetterman for a second. It, like, if he does win, what do you guys make of Fetterman, like as a political figure? Because you know, I understand he's a big guy. He's a, he's a big guy. <laughs> he's quite large. I like. You know, he had a stroke. So, uh, <laughs> got a stroke. So he's just, yeah, guys who are like six eight. Uh, yeah, he's they're, got they're like great Danes. Great, yeah, great Dane thing going on here. But you know, like he he's always wearing shorts. I I, I sort of I sort of I do respect that, that. I, yeah. as a short as a absolutely unrepentant shorts wearer. I respect that a great deal. I know Matt, like you, like he will wear shorts when it's like forty degrees outside. That that's that's he's from Philadelphia. He's from Pennsylvania, but like that is definitely Midwestern excellence, and I respect it. Um, I mean, I guess like I was just uh, I, I saw a piece by uh, Ben Burgess that was arguing that like for all his uh, his flaws on, you know, Israel or foreign policy, he was making the case that that Fetterman is like going to be the best vehicle for like a Bernie Sanders style politics, like a best the best communicator for that message to the American public going forward in the future, like a, a big guy who wears hoodies and shorts everywhere. Despite you know the fact that he's like basically a moderate, I would say on 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 most political issues. I mean, it has to be something different. That's for sure. You yeah, know? it cannot be anybody who is who reads as a regular politician one way or the other. And just by being a giant hulking oaf, you, the uh, the hope is is that he is able to get a hearing 
from people who would otherwise just see some fucking stuffed shirt and immediately just check out. But I don't know. I mean, I there's no real hope for any. I mean, like when you say Bernie Sanders style thing, it's like, well, we've seen what the party is capable of doing in terms of policing uh, 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 its nomination process. Like, I don't think there's any reason to believe that that there's any cheat code around that. Like, okay, yeah, he's a big guy. And he is able to maybe get people to listen. But who, how many of them, you know, compared to the people who are uh, going to vote in every primary and who will listen to whatever the MSDNC line on any particular politician is like like uh, the, the local uh, Pennsylvania Democratic establishment went against Fetterman, mostly because, you know, he wasn't paying them enough. Uh, he, you know, he had his own guys, basically. But. Uh, the part that the the general party it was fine with him largely because he gave every indication that he'd play ball and everything that mattered. Uh, but if he stopped doing that, which he'd have to do if he was actually going to fucking represent something as opposed to just being you know a, a hobby for people who miss Bernie to to bat around like a fucking uh, ball of string, uh, then the, then the fucking knives would be out. And there's no, we've learned there is no way around that because the people you would need to counteract all of those. Uh, a propagandized voters are not there. They're not paying attention. Yeah, I uh, I have never seen anything worth getting that excited about over Fetterman. Uh, not since 2016. Um, not that he's particularly worse than anyone else. Just I. I mean, now it's very obvious people uh, people feel like they have to support something, and this sort of tickles their tickles their Reddit funny bone, their 2017 style DSA posting. So they get to have that, which is honestly, um, everyone deserves something. I'm I'm glad they get to enjoy that. But um, yeah, I just I, I don't see much of anything worth getting that excited about. Um, Certainly not within the Democratic Party. I mean, we've if you haven't learned by now, you don't want to know, you know, and I understand it's it, the, the the lure of go, being able to go in back into that that uh, that zone where your posts have meaning and yeah, and there is a trajectory that's very appealing. And I don't really begrudge anybody for it. It doesn't I don't think it's going to hurt people want to care. No, personally, no, I'm not, I, I, can't, I, 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 yeah. yeah. I won't begrudge anyone for doing that, but I, I, I just to speak to something larger. It's the same reason that I fucking hate every two years or every 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 like fucking February for the past two years. Oh my god! Remember Nevada in twenty twenty? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Guess what? We fucking lost. After you can't fucking dwell in the past forever, no matter how good it felt. There's going to be a lot of fucking losing in this, and you can't just sit around thinking about how good it once was, or you're never going to fucking get out of it. Or imagine, like, chasing that feeling again. Yeah, you're never going to get that exact feeling. You're never going to be that exact version of you ever again. You're never going to have those exact conditions. But maybe there's something else out there. Um, Right now, I don't really think there's anything terribly worth getting excited about outside of the American labor movement. Yeah. But, I mean... That itself is pretty exciting, but yeah, exactly. I just like, I you can't person- really post personally along with it the way you can with uh, uh, presidential or national level politics. But you know, the because of that, there's actually more uh, traction because it's not subject to the same structural impediments. Yeah, and maybe there will be heartbreak there. There probably will be. 
There, there, there mm-hmm. always is. There isn't everything. Um, there's going to be a lot of losing, but I, I just, I think that's a lot better than living in the fucking past. Mm. I'm sorry. Well, I guess uh, I thought, Close things out for today. Uh, did you guys uh, see the Alan Dershowitz interview in the New Yorker? Our our friend and attorney <laughs> Alan Dershowitz. He's uh, any anytime there's a Dershowitz story, cop props up. It's always good. It, it it's always good. Uh, Dersh is always good. He he's he's such a good, he's such a wonderful character. Uh, this was this kicked off with his claim that um, he received an email from someone who said that a man punched him in the face for reading his book on a beach. He said a stranger approached him and asked, you know, why he was reading that book. And the man said, because I admire, I love it. Dershowitz is telling of it. He said the response that got the man clocked in the fucking face was because I admire the author a great deal. <laughs> he's, I mean, I didn't love happen, him, I love but him. honestly should have. Yeah. I love him because he's one of those guys when he tells a story, everyone speaks exactly like him. <laughs> yes. Yes. Everyone uses this exact verbiage. Uh, <laughs> he asked, he asked him what he was reading. And he said, I'm reading a book by a man I admire very much. Who's never gotten a sexual massage by anyone outside his family <laughs> in the past 40 years. Uh, this is like, a, in, uh, in like, you know, Isaac Shonitor, like, you know, he's, he's the New Yorker sort of, uh, like Apple polisher that has made a, made sort of a byline for himself, um, getting people to sound stupid in interviews. But the, the Alan Dershowitz one was pretty funny because, uh, he says, can you tell me a little bit about the letter you received? And he says, it's part of a pattern. I was the most popular speaker in the Chillmark library series. And then he says, every, every year, <laughs> every year they would have an overflow crowd to hear me speak about whatever book I was writing or whatever I was doing. But suddenly, after I represented the Constitution on behalf of Trump, the library found excuses for never having me. Their first excuse was, well, the crowds were too big. So I said, why don't you limit the crowds? They said, oh, we hadn't thought about that. And then uh, Isaac says, can you imagine if Ed Sullivan had done that with the Beatles? It's a ridiculous excuse. And he says, yeah, of course. So I've been canceled, basically, by the Chillmark Library. <laughs> that has resulted in lots of people <laughs> in Chillmark calling me and calling the library and saying, we're being deprived of Alan's annual speech. <laughs> 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 and then they have, um, in brackets, uh, the Chillmark's director disputed Dershowitz's characterization and said, not one single person has contacted me to complain that they haven't had a chance to hear Alan speak. <laughs> cap and then he says uh where is chillmark martha's vineyard the chillmark library so they're being besieged with phone calls no no i wouldn't say that i'm being besieged with phone calls i'm being besieged with phone calls from people saying well how come you're not speaking this year we look forward to it every year the same thing is true of the martha's vineyard book fair every year i was invited to speak at the martha's vineyard martha's vineyard book fair suddenly it stopped when i defended the constitution on behalf of trump then it happened at the martha's vineyard hebrew center where i was a frequent speaker suddenly i'm no longer allowed to speak there Oh, man. Uh, So Dirtrow is going through some hard times on Martha's Vineyard. And he also tells a story about how his former good friend, Larry David, um, shit all over him in public. He's still telling this fucking story? Jesus Christ, get over it. And he says... uh, He is just like the people who bring up Novato all the time. (laughs) Yeah. He goes, well, what happened is, it's interesting because I was having lunch with a very radical lawyer who loves me. I mean, he disagrees with me. We argue all the time. <laughs> but, but he is not part of the Chillmark crowd. Great he says, but he is not part of the he is not part of the Chillmark crowd. I love how I, I just love how he keeps referring to the Chillmark 
fucking book fair and the Chilmark Library and the Chilmark crowd. Like it means anything to the, like the not like the three hundred fucking midsummer worshippers who live on Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> yeah, this is such old person shit. <laughs> God. Uh, no, but he says here. Uh, so I was having lunch with him, and there was a number of other people were there. Suddenly, Larry David walks in to buy some groceries. I said, hey, hi, Larry. And he turns away, and he just walks away. I said, Larry, can't we at least talk? He said, no, you're disgusting. He said, I saw you pat Mike Pompeo on the back. It's true. I did. Here's the story. It was the Abraham Accords, or the movement towards peace in Israel under the Trump administration, which I played a central role in. The Abraham Accords. So I played a central role. Not a central role, an important role in that. I helped. So they were celebrating that at the White House. I was there anyway because it was the day after I made my speech in the Senate. So I was invited to come. They assigned seats. They sat me right in the back of Mike Pompeo, who had been my former student at Harvard Law School. Trump made a very bad joke and people laugh. I didn't laugh. He thought it was a bad joke. My wife laughed. I didn't laugh. I patted him on the back. I said, Mike, this too will pass. You'll be remembered for what you did in the Middle East. That was it. That was the entire encounter. I don't know Mike Pompeo. <laughs> he, just, he just said he was a no former one... student. <laughs> No one, no one remembers the Abraham Accords, by the way. Like, no one gives a shit. Uh, they revolutionized the Middle East, actually. Yeah. <laughs> they formalized relations between these, uh, between Israel and the Gulf countries that have been tacitly allied for yeah. years now. <laughs> Changed everything. But that, yeah, that, that's the, that's the, 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 that's the, that's Alan did that. Alan did that, and actually many people... Yeah, get a little sticker and put it on the gas pump. I did that with Alan. Every year they invite me to speak in Dubai. This year they're not calling. The, uh, Amir is there. Sheiks, they're calling me. They're saying, where's Alan? Everyone wants to hear Alan. By the way, I, I've, I've never spoken to them. I'm not friends with them. I, I, <laughs> I've never touched their orbs. I want to get that thing I, straight. Yeah. I'm not friends of the orb. I never touched you. I've looked at the orb. It was as simple as that. They sat me in behind the orb. I looked at the orb. I nodded to it. I did not touch it. But people are calling me. They said, Alan, bring your orb to Qatar. Bring, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Alan, bring, bring, bring your speech to Qatar, sweetie. We live in Castle. That was my favorite thing that uh, Tucker did during the uh, Trump administration was he would have like 45 minutes of his show just be like, you know, here's the 10 worst black crimes of the week or like <laughs> just like insane incitement. And like and then finally, for our last 10 minutes, we have a very special guest and he would bring on Alan to so Alan could talk about how he is not a pedophile <laughs> and how Miss Virginia Jeffrey was lying about him. He had Alan on like 20 times to do that. It was really I mean, the only reason I could think to do that would be to incite anti-Semitism, which, you know, mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah, no, he's very good. Tucker's at that. smart. He's very yeah. smart. Yeah. Clever guy. He's very clever. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah Alan. <laughs> Alan going on Tucker and just saying, like, you know, like, I just to, to be clear, like, you know, I just like uh, the chill mark. They just invited me. Um, but you know, like, uh, there, there are no orbs and never gotten a massage from any woman outside of my family. Wait, didn't Dershowitz just like cough up something in the Virginia Jaffer, the Virginia, I'm uh, sorry, Jaffer trial. How do you say her last name? Jeffrey, I think. Guffrey. Jeffrey, Virginia Jeffrey, the Virginia Jeffrey trial. Like he's trying to avoid disclosure or something like that. But, um, Alan, I mean, he's, he's represented us pro bono on a number of occasions, you know, but like, look, we, <laughs> yeah. we, 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 yeah. look, we don't agree with him, but he's a good lawyer. He's a damn good lawyer. 
he's just like the the shit he does lately, and by lately I mean past few years, where it's like he'll totally contradict himself within two sentences, as we heard him do in this article. Yeah. That's just him getting old, right? Because it's like you know, regardless of anything, he was a pretty he was a pretty good lawyer at one point. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it got Ron Bulow off. Uh, Swan Bulow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Time <laughs> comes for everyone. I know he's like, so uh, you know, it gets very hot on Martha's Vineyards. Oftentimes, I, I perspire quite greatly, and that, that was why I needed to go in the kiddie pool naked to get the sweat off of me. And then uh, next sentence, he's like, I, too, have the condition Prince Andrew does that makes it medically impossible for me to sweat. <laughs> I have a doctor's note. The doctors are calling me all the time to check on my condition. They said, Alan, have you sweat recently? And I said, no, they haven't invented a cure for this disease yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking up the Jeffrey thing you talked about. Um, I know that... Him and David Boys are uh, – they're having like a, a Vegeta versus Goku battle of evil lawyers <laughs> right now over the Virginia Jeffrey thing. Um, Alan Dershowitz deposed Les Wexner. That was from January of this year. He posed Lex, he posed Lex Wexner in a life, life-drawing situation. <laughs> okay, okay. This might be the thing you're talking about. Um, Dershowitz fights to keep tax returns from yeah, Jeffrey Epstein it. victim. That's it. Okay, that's um, hmm, interesting. He doesn't want those Very speakers fees from the Chillmark Library. <laughs> being, being yeah, she'll get jealous. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, best of best of luck to Alan. Uh, best of luck to the Chillmark Library and to the people of Martha's Vineyard. You know, try not to attack Alan when you see him. Try not to make any sudden movements around him or loud noises. And you know, like this Fourth of July was very hard on Alan. All those fireworks going off, <laughs> he was losing his shit. So, you know, uh, just please understand that, like, you know, Alan can get very stressed out. Um, if he contradicts himself, that's okay. He has a medical condition uh, related to that. Um, just almost every human being in the United States was at one time a uh, law student of his at Harvard. It uh, doesn't mean he's friends with them. <laughs> Who he does he not know. Them. He doesn't mean he knows them or is friends with them, but he's taught many people. He's consulted with many people. He has He's touched a lot of orbs, but not the orb you're thinking of. It was only, only family-related orbs. Only consensual orb touching. Yes. Um, I just uh, – we, uh, we almost forgot it. I wanted to bring it up before, Alan. My favorite Senate race. I'm just – I'm going to call it really quick. I think that Herschel Walker oh, is yeah. going to lose. <laughs> what? Really? He is, he is dragging. Yeah, dude. <laughs> he is not looking good. What, he so is, is kind of like the nightmare scenario in candidates. Like every yeah. week there's a new video where he's like, and then I, the guy, I, I had a schizophrenic episode where I forgot the cable guy came to my house to change my cable deal. And I shoved a gun up his asshole. But then God <laughs> appeared to me and told me to be nice to him. <laughs> he is, like you know. like i mean cte has just like his brain is like a fucking walnut right now it, it, i mean it, it's it's frightening to think about but yeah like i like yeah he keeps talking about um he keeps claiming that he was in the fbi he's he's like the guy he's like the guy <laughs> nathan fielder's the rehearsal he's like my entire education background has been a fraud <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i work for the poor law enforcement i don't know that either did you I spent time at Quantico at the FBI training school. Y'all don't know I was an agent. I should probably shouldn't tell y'all that. Y'all don't care. But anyway, yeah, I've been in law enforcement for So I grabbed my gun. I said, I will kill him. Herschel Walker, one of the highest I'm going to kill him. I got in David, one of my many. I took off on 183. 
And I still remember the voice of Herschel, people been disrespecting you all the time. People are always doing stuff to you. You never done nothing to nobody. And all of a sudden, this other voice of Herschel, your parents and raised you. Yes, they did. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. I thought I was losing my mind. As I got closer and closer to where I was going to be meeting this guy, I started to pray. I said, Lord, uh, I need some help right now. I said, I need you to help me. I said, I'm about to do something stupid right now. I need you to help me right now. I remember getting to this where I was going to meet him at. I got out of my car and I put my hand on my gun. As I was walking to this truck, before I could see the guy, I saw the sign on the back of his truck that said, Honk, if you love Jesus. And that's what calmed me down. I think I think he is, I don't know, he is a uniquely weak candidate, even with the new post-Trump calculus. Um, yeah. He's pushing the envelope I, on like what can get through even in a Trump like a Trump leaning state with yeah uh, with gerrymandering voter suppression. Yeah, and okay, with Warnock, I will say this. Warnock is a strange case because he is the first uh outside of Oz Fetterman, the first like electoral campaign in the past 4 years with a nationally recognized Democrat and a Republican where the Republican cannot go, this guy's a pedophile, this guy's an mm. asshole, this guy's a fucking communist, this guy's Soros. Like, I've seen so many ads where they're like, look, Revan Warnock is a good guy, but he's bad for Georgia. And it's like, I think they know his favorables are, like, weirdly high, just on a personal mm-hmm. level. I think they're in a uniquely, the Republicans are in a uniquely, like, weak position there. I don't know. I've been wrong before. Warnock obviously got in. It was incredibly close um but i just i think i think i, I think walker is such a weak candidate well like, i mean the weakest yeah, keep in mind though, like his it's own his own campaign staff like are keep having to like tell the media that like guys like he just keeps telling us things and he keeps lying to us we ask him like uh, like, were you a mem- were you in the FBI? Have you killed a man before? And he keeps saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you want from us? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Herschel Walker was already insane before he got CTE. Herschel Walker has claimed that he has multiple personality disorders and does not remember the person he was when he won the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> Herschel Walker has claimed that he has never touched a weight in his life and that he eats one meal a day of soup and salad and does 3,000 push-ups and sit-ups a day. Do you remember He's uh, a completely insane lunatic. Remember, do you remember his comments about uh, the Green New Deal and good air? Yeah, yeah. About Ch- Ch- yeah, he said, he said, yeah, the good air is going to China. China's going to take the good air and they're going to give us their bad air. He said, uh, since we don't... Since we don't control the air, our good air decided to float over to China's bad air. So when China gets our good air, their bad air got to move, Walker said. So it moves over to our good airspace. Then now we got to clean that back up. So China, they're, they're taking our good air and replacing it with their bad air. And you think the Green New Deal is going to stop that? No, it's going to make it worse. It's going to make it worse. <laughs> We're going to be like he's in Spaceballs, like, yeah. drinking, sucking air out of cans. He's – there's so many – okay, half the things he says are like horrifying incidents of violence that he recounts as like an inspiring story or a funny little anecdote. And then the other half are just like indecipher, like Joe-level indecipherable. Like when Joe – they stupidly thought to put Joe on Jimmy Kimmel past his bedtime. <laughs> And had to go to commercial. It's like that. Like he is god damn man. Um it does show how in in the in the ditches 
the old Brandon administration is, that this is going to be close and that, you know, it, it's kind of a toss up, so to speak. But like, God damn, he is such a bad candidate. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, like now, since 2016, since 2017, you can win if you have secret kids. You can win if you oh, yeah. lie about being in the FBI. You can win if you have chased down multiple people with a gun and been dissuaded by bumper stickers. But not like eight of those things <laughs> at the same time. You got to space them out a little bit among yeah. different candidates. You can't have them all in one guy. Yeah. You can't have like a, yeah. a, a bad candidate Kirby just <laughs> absorbing all of the negative stories into themselves. Well, the only thing I can think they – if I were them, I would just like not have him – to speak at all but even then he'll like wander off like an old person he'll do one of those like dave Chappelle surprise sets and tell a horrifying new story of like <laughs> shooting a meter made in the forehead uh yeah um but hey look i mean it, it herschel he may be a bad candidate christian oh his Ooh, uh, yeah. yeah his son the future imperator the, yeah. of north america for sure Mm-hmm. Oh, oh! I guess before we go, uh, we did forget to mention um, uh, Joe Brandon has COVID now. Brandon's got COVID. Brandon's Get well, Brandon. <laughs> oh, Brandon! You know, it's just it's not. It was. I mean, now now that there are vaccinations, it's not nearly as funny as when Trump got it. I mean, I, I mean, n- nothing will be funnier than God. when Trump got COVID. This is this is really just a. It's a little bit of a whimper. I mean, he, he seemed to imply he had cancer yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got uh, COVID. God. He's got uh, he's got Munchausen's. <laughs> he's got Alzheimer's. He's collecting the set. The cancer thing is like it's so hard to tell. I mean, he did have skin cancer. Yeah, maybe he meant that. He had some like he had some like wonky moles they removed. There was like something that could have become cancerous. But I mean, it's like it's the most common it's one form zillion of, yeah. percent. There's two things. He's either hiding something and he slipped up or just classic demented moment where he's like a story from someone else that he used to tell with a attribution, but now he can't remember anymore. So it all becomes one thing. Uh, either way, this whole, oh, he's talking about skin cancer thing. Absolute post facto veep ass ass covering. Not not actually what happened. That's the one thing I know. I was wondering if it was like. I, I was saying there'd be like a one third chance of this that he does have like some like an awful form of like brain cancer or something and he accidentally announced it. That could that, I mean, could, 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 could anyone put that beyond the realm of possibility? I would say like two thirds chance, you know, he either meant like when he had the skin cancer that you can treat with lotion or just like <laughs> a verbal slip up. But. What at least one third chance that he accidentally like admitted that? <laughs> listen, yeah. listen, Mac, I got cancer. And, yeah. He is nine thousand years old. How many eighty year olds don't have cancer? It's a good point. Yeah. Well, uh, well, we'll get well, Brandon. Yeah, prayers out for Brandon. Uh, hope, hope he does. Hope he's doing well. Uh, Kamala, though, ooh, she's just rubbing. Ooh, the she's sharpening <laughs> her heels. Ooh, she's rubbing those hands together. She's thinking, God oh damn. man. I would honestly think how, fun, that, think that's how like, fucking I'm sure funny he'll that be fine. Be. But it got to be, be so funny if she became God, president no, if, now if for the last just, two years. If he just died and then Kamala was president and then they had to replace her. <laughs> that... <laughs> oh my God, right now, Kamala, but... Kamala does her own January 6th <laughs> oh <my God>. nomination. <laughs> she gets the K-Hive, just shows up. Everyone's wired with plastic explosives. They would do January 6th, but for real. 
Yes. Yeah. One million dead cops. Uh, it was because, like, <laughs> what makes Brandon less funny than than Trump is that they keep him out of the spotlight. But if the ostensibly, you know, uh, on the ball, ostensibly vigorous 50-something vice president becomes president, you're going to have to see her all the time. She's going to be out there front and center, and she's going to be doing press conferences. It'd be amazing. We get a new Kamala gibberish, uh, like, Pontypool breakdown every day. God, I would love that. I do miss her. I I miss her primary campaign so fucking bad. It was so good. Do you remember when she was like, of course I smoke weed. I'm Jamaican. It's <laughs> <laughs> the least authentic laugh ever. And then her... Like, <laughs> Uh, but of course, like that, and of course, I or... also threw a bunch of uh, weed smokers in prison. I'm Indian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, within like 30 seconds, too, her dad was like, "She's the shittiest daughter <laughs> yes, ever." Didn't he say he was ashamed of her comments about Jamaicans? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the greatest primary ever. Like, I have a. I kind of prefer like Chafee 2016 was amazing. Uh, Wonderful. Chafee contains my favorite line from any primary campaign when they they hit him for voting to repeal um, Glass Steagall, and he goes, ah, "I just started. My dad just died." <laughs> yep. <laughs> His big issue was bringing as was the metric system. <laughs> yeah, he was Get the sick, fuck out of here. He was like, awesome. Kamala's was pretty good. That was a great. Program. The fact that ninety percent of it it was either her just speaking gibberish, uh, or demanding that they uh, take away Trump's Twitter account. Which, by the way, mission accomplished. Everything's fine now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or just having some assholes with drums running around and her like dancing. Like that was that was it. Like the illusion of energy and 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 meaning provided by a drum and bass band. It was fantastic. God, it's so funny she got to be vice president. God, <laughs> you know, like, you know what though? You can't, you can't live in the else. past. We can't, you know, Lincoln Chafee right, is not one. Right. Lincoln Chafee twenty sixteen is not going through that door. Kamala Harris two thousand twenty primary, it's not coming back. We're not going to get that. We're not going to get that feeling again. But there is the hope that we will get something um, e- even more horrifying and stupid in the future that will be equally funny, or if not more funny, honestly. No, I think the biggest laughs are yet to come. <laughs> yep. The year of the smile continues on the baby. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> the smiles are getting bigger and broader. We're seeing lots of teeth these days because people are smiling so much <laughs> they can't help it. It's <laughs> uh, I've got the, uh, the Joker makeup. If you have cavities, if you've got cavities, better take care of them now because people are going to see those chompers with the amount of smiling you're going to do. Also, uh, just quickly at the end here, if you are in L.A. this weekend on Saturday, oh, yes. Felix and I are going to be on a panel at a variety show, uh, a fundraiser for uh, for striking strippers. It's going to be fun. Uh, you just got to go to Instagram uh, to at uh, little secret underscore L.A. for the ticket link. Uh, we'll have a good time. Oh, and uh, once more, um, all of our live show dates, com slash live. You already know the deal. New York, Chicago, Fort Lauderdale, Los Angeles. We're on the tour of this. We're on tour this fall. Please come see us. All right, gang. Let's uh, leave it there for today. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. There's a man who leads a life of danger. 
To everyone he meets, he stays a stranger. Whatever move he makes, another chance he takes. Odds are he won't live to see tomorrow. Taking away 